Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from Let's talk. Tell me about your day, your burdens, your dreams. When you require advice, come to me. I want to guide you. When you are in need of comfort, call out, and I will embrace you. Sing, my child. I love the sound of your voice. Consume my word. I long to fill your soul. We are family. Let's talk. Our God, by his very nature, is relational. It is his desire to be close to each and every one of us, and he yearns for us to call out to him in unceasing prayers. His word declares, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God. Prayer strengthens the bond between God our Father and us, his children. It is meant to be an exciting and integral part of our spiritual journey where we are able to praise and thank Him for all that He has done for us, where we can ask for wisdom in our daily lives, and where we can freely lay our burdens upon His almighty shoulders. Our Heavenly Father has also called upon His people to gather together as a family for times of prayer. The Bible states that His house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, and Center Street Church is a house of prayer, a praying church. One way we gather together to pray as a family is at our night of prayer. This is a blessed time where we hear Jesus through each other's prayers, through scripture readings, by worshiping together and by celebrating our Creator through various artistic expressions. The Lord is blessing these times of prayer. We are hearing prophetic words spoken People are experiencing physical and inner healing. But most importantly, we are all growing closer to our amazing Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is our desire for the Holy Spirit to move among us, sparking a revival within our church, city, nation, and world. And this all begins with the simple act of prayer. We invite you to our next night of prayer. God wants to talk. For thine is the kingdom, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, power and the glory, forever and ever, ever and ever. Amen. 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 Greetings to all of you. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church, those of us here at Center Campus, as well as those joining us from our campus in Northwest Calgary, Bridgeland, and Airdrie. I also want to welcome our online viewers as well. We're so glad you can connect with us on this very first worship service weekend of the year. And I want to take this time to wish all of you a happy and Christ-centered New Year. We have entered this year with great anticipation, in high hopes that everything will bounce back and the setbacks of a horrendous 2020 will be reversed. And as a church, we believe the way to start a new year is by seeking the face of God. And this weekend, as you heard, marks the beginning of a week of 
fasting and prayer. And we want to extend the invitation to our church to get on board. A corporate prayer is a collective declaration of a community of God's people, of our dependence on Him. It is our way of saying, Lord, we can't enter into this year in our own strength. We need you in our life, in our families, in our ministries, in our city. It is an opportunity to demonstrate our hunger and longing for a greater move of God's Spirit in our nation and all around the world. To prepare us to meaningfully engage in this week of church-wide fasting and prayer, I want to speak to you today on the theme of intercessory prayer. If you came to church today or you're watching online with the hope that there will be an upbeat, feel-good message to kickstart our new year, you're going to be disappointed. Now, today's sermon is more like broccoli and Brussels sprouts. They don't taste very good, but hey, we know it is good and necessary for our well-being. Now, what I'm going to share with you today is something that God is speaking to me, has been impressing on my heart. If you ask me, what is one area you struggle the most in your Christian life? Something that doesn't come easy, that I have to really work hard at. I don't have to think very long to answer that question. Now, the area I've struggled the most, and God has been recently speaking to me about and challenging me to grow, is my prayer life. Much of my quiet time involves worship and studying the Word, but I've not been diligent in giving time for prayers and intercessions. And this new year, I'm determined, with God's help, not to slack off in this area. Now, prioritizing prayer is one of the primary ways for us to declare our dependence on God. And my hope is that this message will encourage and challenge all of us to grow deeper in our prayer lives. To remind us about the importance of intercessory prayer, I'm going to read to us an intriguing passage of Scripture. On the outside, it looks like a dark, grim passage of the Bible. But if you bear with me, we will together discover that this text has a pivotal message for us, especially as we start off a new year. So the text we're going to look at is from Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 23 to 30. If you're physically able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 23 to 30. Again, the Word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, say to the land, you are a land that has not been cleansed or rained on in the day of wrath. There is a conspiracy of her princes within her, like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour people, take treasures and precious things, and make many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach that there is no difference between the unclean and the clean, and they shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say, this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. 
The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your inspired word. Thank you for the promise of your presence, Jesus. Even as we start off this new year, we declare our dependence on you and seeking your face more. Teach us what it means to be intercessors, to be people who stand in the gap and use us collectively, Lord, to rebuild the wall, to be people who are sensitive to your voice, who know what to pray for. We give this time, Lord, to your spirit. Speak to us, encourage us, and challenge us to grow deeper in our prayer lives. We ask this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Ezekiel was an exile in Babylon. God's people in the Old Testament had ignored centuries of warnings and continued to be stiff-necked. They repeatedly resisted God's promptings and were bent on just going their own way. And because of their rebellion, finally they were removed from the promised land and now taken to a foreign country. They were experiencing a divine chastisement to humble them and to teach them some important spiritual lessons. As a prophet, Ezekiel's words were hard-hitting, piercing, intended to get everyone's attention. And what we find here is a description of the total spiritual deterioration of the country. The nation of Israel was corrupt at all levels. The political leaders, the priests, and the prophets were all guilty of straying away from God. And that led to the disintegration of the whole nation. And in our text, Ezekiel pictures the political leadership as praying lions that they were only interested in their personal well-being and welfare. They were selfish and took advantage of the people and manipulated them. The priests who were the spiritual leaders who represented the people before God, they had this important responsibility of not only overseeing the entire sacrificial system, but also to handle the loss of God. It was their job to instruct and teach people from the Scripture. They were a spiritual and moral guide to the people. But the priests in Ezekiel's time ignored this crucial task of helping people understand the truth of God's Word, to guide them in distinguishing between what is right and what is wrong. The priests during Ezekiel's time took hard biblical truths and they diluted the Word of God, softened their message, sugar-coated it, and made it more palatable. 
So Ezekiel says here in verse 26, her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach that there is no difference between the unclean and the clean, and they shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbaths so that I am profaned among them. So rather than being clear and direct with what is being revealed in God's Word, the priests were dilly-dallying. They taught that there are no objective truths, no right and wrong, no moral principles to govern our lives. And when the Bible is not being upheld, when the people of God don't know the Word of God, when His commandments are just being marginalized, we are setting up for a spiritual disaster. So that was the condition of the priests. What about the prophets? The prophets were the spokespersons for God. They brought God's message directly to the people. And their job was to speak on behalf of God and be his mouthpiece. When the people deviated from the ways of God, it was the prophet's job to bring the people back. They were not to be people pleasers. Their messages were meant to convict and bring repentance. But here we see in our text that the prophets also failed in their calling. While there was impending judgment... As a result of people's rebellion, the prophets during Ezekiel's time preached about peace and safety. They brought false words of reassurance. Hey, don't worry. God is not offended. He's going to take care of his people, so there's nothing for you to fret about. And Ezekiel says here in our text, verse 28, her prophets whitewashed these deeds or them by false visions and lying divinations. They say, this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. So the false visions deluded people into comfort and safety rather than confronting their sins. So when the political leaders, when the priests and the prophets didn't represent God rightly, and the leadership of the entire nation strayed away from God's principles. It seeped into all areas of the society, resulting in a fractured world, a hurting world. Confusion and chaos abounded, and everything in Ezekiel's time was in a state of mess. Now, do you see some parallels here between Ezekiel's time and ours? Absolutely. Now, in a situation like that, what was God looking for in the midst of a great spiritual crisis? Our text is very clear. Look at verse 30. I, God, looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. So in a time of great spiritual crisis, God was looking for a human, one person who can intercede on behalf of the rest. The word picture here 
is a gap or a large hole in a wall. And in ancient times, a wall was the best means of protection against the enemy. It was the best defensive mechanism in the city. These walls were huge, massive structures that surrounded the city. They were made out of stone or bricks. But if there is a gap or hole in the wall, the enemy can come into the city without any difficulty. Anytime there's a breach in the wall, it needs to be attended to. It requires repair. Otherwise, the city becomes vulnerable to external attack and its security is compromised. Whenever a nation is in a spiritual declension, when the people of God ignore their mission and no one is upholding the truth, when the culture is in a state of spiritual crisis, when a society is fragmented and fractured, it is because the walls have been breached and the enemy is having a heyday. And in that dire situation, what is God looking for? He's looking for men and women who can stand in the gap who can plug that hole in the wall, who can rise up against the enemy and defend the city. If you want to reverse the spiritual decline around you and cast the enemy out, the walls that have been breached have to be rebuilt. And God is looking for intercessors, prayer warriors, people who can stand in the gap and rebuild the wall. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that your prayers are powerful enough, your intercession is able to make a difference? That they have a role to play in the unfolding of God's plans and reversing the spiritual decline that is all around us? John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said this, it seems that without God, man cannot, and without man, God will not. When you're in the middle of a spiritual crisis, when everything is dark and gloomy, when the enemy has gained territory, these are perilous times. And we cannot change the spiritual temperature of our world. We cannot push the forces of darkness away in our strength. We are unable to bring anyone to faith in Jesus. Without God, humans cannot. We are so dependent creatures. And without humans, God will not. He does not bypass us. God does his work primarily through humans. We are called to be partners with God. We are to work hand in hand. We are to play our part. And here comes the role of prayer. Prayer is our human contribution to what God aspires to do. God executes his will in partnership with us as we learn to intercede. Now, what that means is prayer is not an option. 
but a necessity. It is a non-negotiable. And what I'm going to say now will raise a few eyebrows, but I'm fully confident that what I'm saying here is in line with the Bible. There are some things that will not happen unless we pray. There are some breakthroughs and some victories that will never be won unless we learn to intercede. If we want to see God's kingdom come, invade our world, and push back the forces of darkness, it is going to happen through the prayers of God's people. See, that is why Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is firmly established through our prayers. Isn't that astonishing? Whoever thinks that prayer is being passive or being laid back doesn't understand its significance. Prayer is warfare, and the greatest battles are won on our knees. Now, keep this in mind. God doesn't need us. He can do things on his own. He is fully able to do his work apart from us. But the beauty is God wants to include us and has ordained prayer as one of the means through which he will fulfill his will here on earth. James chapter 4, the last part of verse 2, it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. There's some things that we don't receive because we do not ask. It is a refusal on our part to seek God earnestly. And the outcome will be different if we had sought the Lord. Do we actually believe these things? to the core of our being. That is what was being played out in our text in Ezekiel. God was looking for intercessors who can pray on behalf of Jerusalem to avert the coming disaster. And the tragedy is he found no one, not a single person. Look at Ezekiel 22 verse 30. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. God is about to pour his anger, his judgment on a city that absolutely deserved it because the people had wandered far from God. God is waiting for someone, anyone, who can stand in the gap and intercede and pray for a wayward city. And it says he found no one. And as a result, his wrath is being poured out because there are no intercessors to stand in the gap. Now listen to me carefully. I am not advocating a name-it-and-claim-it teaching on prayer. I am not saying God will give everything we ask for or he's even obligated to answer all of our prayers according to the way we desire. 
But what I'm saying is there are some things that can be accomplished only on our knees. And God is looking for people who can pray so he can use their prayers as a means to respond to the needs of the world. Now, if you read through the Old Testament, you will find several names of people who interceded. Noah, Moses, Elijah, Nehemiah, Deborah, Daniel, were all people whom God used as intercessors who played a crucial role in partnering with God through prayer. Intercessory prayer is not just partnering with God, but it's also partnering with Jesus. Now, in Ezekiel's time, there were no intercessors available who could plead on behalf of God's people. Here's the good news for us today. This is something that we can be absolutely thankful for. For in Jesus, we have a man who stands in the gap. For he is our high priest who intercedes for us. He has finished his work on the cross. He has borne the wrath of God on our behalf. And what is Jesus doing now? What is Jesus' primary ministry today? Look at Hebrews 7.25. It says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he, Jesus, always lives to intercede for them. So that is Jesus' primary ministry today. He lives to intercede on our behalf. See, there is a perpetual, nonstop ongoing prayer meeting that's happening in heaven before the throne of grace, and Jesus is leading it. He is interceding for us. Jesus enters the presence of God the Father through the merit of his own sacrifice, and he prays on our behalf. So remember this, when we pray and stand in the gap, we are partnering with Jesus. We are joining hands with him. We are aligning our prayers with his prayers. Our prayers and intercession are simply an extension of the ministry of Jesus. Now you tell me, is there any greater privilege that has been given to us than this? is when we faithfully engage in the work of prayer and intercession, we will come to know its full power. The 1850s in New York was a grim period in history. It was a testing time from all angles, politically, economically, spiritually, everything was in decline. In 1857, a man named Jeremiah Lamphire, who was a former businessman, started work as an urban missionary for a church in New York. And he knocked on several doors, 
gave out Bibles and tracts, shared the gospel, but there were hardly any visible results. He faced stiff, stiff spiritual oppositions and practically no response to all of his dedicated efforts in ministry. And all of that was very, very discouraging. Lamfire was moved by God to start a lunch hour prayer meeting for the business people in the community. He thought they can just come for a few minutes during their lunch break and the prayer meeting will last just an hour every week. The very first prayer meeting in 1857, Lamphire was all alone. No response from anyone until towards the end of the meeting when six people showed up. The next week, there were 20. The following week, there were 40. And before you know, crowds of people started attending these prayer meetings. The numbers just grew steadily. And there were times up to 3,000 people who gathered during this weekly lunch hour prayer meeting. Eventually, it became a daily prayer meeting. And those prayer meetings went on to produce one of the greatest revival movements in all of history. Businesses all across New York closed at noon for an hour of prayer. And like wildfire, all of this started spreading to different cities in the United States. The impact of these meetings were even felt globally. And church historians say, a million people came to know the Lord Jesus in the United States alone as a result of these prayer meetings. Staggering, isn't it? It happened not through preaching, not through the charisma of an evangelist, not through effective, clever ministry strategies of a church, but Ordinary people dedicated their lunch hour to the task of prayer and stood in the gap, and God did the rest. And can God do something like that today? I believe so with all of my heart. For He is still looking for people, men and women who can stand in the gap and who know how to intercede. God is saying, there's some things that I want to do in your life, in your family. I want to bring lost people to faith in Christ. I want to heal marriages. I want to break people free from addictions. I want to raise a generation of young people who will follow after me. Who will stand in the gap on their behalf? God is saying, I want to bring hope to this world living in fear because of the coronavirus. People who are afraid and moving into depression. I want to strengthen the healthcare workers and others who are laboring on the front lines. I want to turn this entire tragedy into the greatest spiritual harvest the world has seen. Who will stand in the gap and pray this into reality? 
God is saying, I want to bless Center Street Church and its ministry. I want to use this church to bring people to Jesus and disciple them. I want to bless this church so they can be a blessing to the city, to this nation, and the ripple effect of that will be felt by the whole wide world. Who will believe that and stand in the gap and make this a reality today? Church, when we pray, things happen. When we intercede, God moves with power. And that's what I want to encourage us to do this week, even now, to take apart the remaining time that we have and dedicate it to seeking God earnestly. So we're going to close our time today with some extended time of prayer. We're going to pray for three broad categories. I want you to pray for your personal concerns. Lift them up to God. Let's stand in the gap for people you know, your family, your friends, your neighborhood. Nothing is trivial for God. Secondly, we're going to pray for this global pandemic that has been raging. We're going to stand in the gap and pray for our world to be rebuilt. Lastly, we're going to pray for our church, for our ministry areas, for a renewed sense of passion that God would help us to serve Him faithfully, and we will be a church that is fully dedicated to pursuing His mission. As we transition into this time of prayer, I'm going to hand it back to our campus pastors at our various campuses to lead this next section. And here at Central Campus, I want to invite Pastor Kent to come forward, and he will lead us in a time of prayer and give us an opportunity for us to together stand in the gap. Yeah, as Ashwin just mentioned, we're going to begin by praying for ourselves, for our families, for the relationships with others that we have. You'll see some prayer prompts on the screen to guide you. Use this time on your own. Be at liberty to use this and pray however you feel led or compelled to do so, but if you, these prompts are helpful, then just pray according to the prompts that you see on the screen. Pray with those that you came with, or pray on your own, pray in your home, pray wherever you're engaged in watching us and engaging in this worship service with, and you'll see the prompts on the screen for about 90 seconds or so, then they'll transition, and that's the way that we'll spend our time and we'll begin with this first movement of praying for ourselves, our family, relationships, friends that we know. So let's spend this time praying around this first theme.
we want to move now and pray for this pandemic that we in the world we are facing. So again, I want to encourage you to pray however you feel led during this time. You may know of friends or family uh, in other parts of the world. You may want to focus your prayer there. You may want to pray for how this has affected you and your life and relatives, friends that you know. So pray however you feel led. Again, some prayer prompts will show up behind me here that may guide your praying as well. And so as we pray, let's trust in God that he reigns supreme, that he is aware of, sees all that takes place. And so, but pray, pray um, for this pandemic that it would end and that God would use it for good in spite of all of the complexities and situations and, and horrible things that it has caused. So let's pray around this theme now of this pandemic. Again, pray on your own however you feel led or pray according to the prompts that are provided here. Let's pray.
Now we want to turn our attention and pray for this church, Center Street Church, the ministries at each one of our campus locations. And if you are involved in a ministry area, then feel free to pray for that ministry area that it would have the impact that God wants it to have. Calgary and beyond. Um, pray however you feel led for uh, people part of your missional community group or pray how you feel led around the ministry that you might be involved with. Um, there's prompts as well here. Pray for our leadership. Pray for uh, leaders of groups, leaders of ministry areas, leaders of our Compassion NCF area, uh, NCFC area. Just pray for ministries that you are aware of that come to your mind. Pray for guidance for us as a church. Pray for each person who says Center Street Church is their church, that they would be a light, that they would have an impact that Christ wants them to have. So just let your mind go to different areas as it's guided by God and pray for those areas. Pray for the prompts as we're guided on the screen. Once again, let's pray for our church and the impact that, that God wants us to have. Let's pray.
Father, hear the prayer of your people that make up Center Street Church. We stand in the gap now, crying out to you, calling out to you, laying our dependence, our trust, our whole hearts, our devotion, our commitment to you because you are God. And we leave these requests before you, anticipating just with expectation how you will answer our prayer and use us, your church, for the sake of your good kingdom purposes. We pray.